Abby. Hi, I'm Shannon. And welcome to the mystery room. We are back again. We are in a routine now, aren't we? Yes, we are in a routine now. Yeah, so we will be doing this more often now and episodes will be up weekly every Friday. But yeah, COVID free as well. So that's positive and uh, because we're going to see Beyonce on Sunday so I'm so happy she's COVID free and I'm glad I never caught it (laughs) don't oh my god don't don't, don't, touch word yeah I was gonna say don't don't talk too soon okay but we are so excited to see Queen Bee aren't we oh yeah we are I'm in such a good mood today yeah I feel like it's a Friday I've got like that Friday feeling yeah yeah and and then I realized it was Thursday and I was a bit like it's fine shit I, I, I like Thursdays because you're getting that pre-Friday feeling, like you just said. Yeah. And you're just ready for the weekend. And Friday's basically part of the weekend. It's, it's going to be yeah. a great weekend. It is. I'm very excited to see Beyonce. Very. Oh my god, I need to tell you something embarrassing I did at work today. It's linked to this whole case. Oh, okay, that's fine then. So I was researching, because I would like to do this as my full-time job. So whilst I'm at work, I'm actually researching cases. So, um... <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't been caught yet. But um, I was looking at a sketch art from this case that was drawn up. And I accidentally saved it into our team leader production folder. So everyone, like all the team leaders, all management, could see this sketch of these these suspects. Did you leave it there or did you just Well, I left it there because I didn't realise it was there. And then my manager put in our team leader chat, does anyone know what this is about? (laughs) And I was literally just like, I just went and quickly deleted it and didn't say anything. I just was like, no, it's not me. That is so funny. What then, was the sketch of? Of, like, the, the two suspects. And I'm not going to lie to you, they look like pedos as well, so it didn't help. <laughs> and then my friend, who's also one of our managers, he private messaged me and was like, is that to do with your podcast? And I was like, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm actually oh. dying. How embarrassing. I mean, could you have been doing it on your break? No, I couldn't. Oh. I, yeah, there's no I, getting out of that one then, is there? Yeah, because <laughs> I leave the clean room on my break, so... It's yeah, fine. it's really embarrassing. So they clearly know that I'm not doing my work, which I should be doing. I'm researching cases. I'm not going to lie. We all do things in between our work, let's be honest. I Google random stuff I close in between our work. Yeah, yeah I and close I, a lot. lot of people do. I'm not going to lie. I do. So check my emails, personal emails, not work emails. Yeah, well, like we said, I'm sure everyone does it. I did my appeal because I got a parking ticket, which I think is wrong. And I appealed that yesterday so I, yesterday while I was working. So At least you've done that, finally. I know. Right. Anyway, right. to the case. Let's get on with the case. So this week we are looking at the Keddy Cabby Cabby. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we are looking at the Keddy Cabin murders. That is in tongueful. <laughs> so some people know this case quite well. Some people probably haven't heard of it before. I hadn't heard of it before you mentioned it, but mm. it's very interesting. Like, I'm surprised it I is. haven't. Heard yeah, of it. same. It's a it's a weird one as well. Yes, it gets. I'm not going to lie. I got confused. When it is. It's really confusing. It, it is very yeah. confusing. There's a lot of names, and apparently there is a show on Netflix based on this, based on these murders. But I can't find it, so I don't know if it's an American. Netflix thing. I think it is because I tried as well. Yeah, because I can't find it, um, which is really weird. And I did try to watch some YouTube videos whilst at work, but I think I think my work has blocked. YouTube <laughs> they saw that sketch and was yeah, like, like, no, not anymore. She's done. Yeah. Right. So, 
Between April the 11th and the 12th, 1981, Glenna, Suzanne Sharp, but everyone know, knew her as Sue, and three others were brutally murdered in the resort town of Keddy, California. To this day, these murders remain unsolved. So, who are the Sharp family and what led to their gruesome deaths? In 1979, Sue Sharp and her five children, John, Sheila, Tina, Rick and Greg, fled from their hometown in Connecticut to escape their abusive husband slash father. So Sue and four of her children moved to Quincy, California to live in Sue's brother's trailer, which he used to live in. Sheila stayed in Oregon as she was pregnant at the time. As, but pretty quickly after she gave birth, she put the baby up for adoption and then moved to Quincy with the rest of her family. Sue was ready to get her life back on track and put all her effort into finding a way to support herself and her children. She began taking typewriting classes and working a part-time job at the Quincy Alks Lodge. Near Quincy was the formerly popular family resort of Keddy. It had suffered financial setbacks over the years and was then converted into low-income houses. This is how the family were able to move into cabin 28 in Keddie. The Sharp family now live in a small, isolated town which only had one road in and out of the town. The small cabin was much bigger than her brother's trailer. The Sharp life seemed to be going up. That was until Sue's daughter, Sheila, who was staying at her friend's house, returned home on the 12th of April to the most gruesome murder of her family. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I like the drama. The dramatic effect. I like that. So let's take it back to the 11th of April, 1981. Sheila Sharp, who was only 14 years old at the time, went to her friend's house, the Seabolts, who also lived in one of the Keddie cabins. Her sister, Tina Sharp, who was 12, also went with Sheila for a little bit, before returning back to cabin 28 later that evening, where her mother and two younger brothers, 10-year-old Rick and 5-year-old Greg, and one of the neighbours' boys, Justin Smart, were all there. Sheila's brother, John Sharp, who was 15, and his friend, Dana Wingate, who was 17, had hitchhiked into the nearby town of Quincy for a party and returned sometime later that evening. That night, Sheila had a great time at her friend's and went to sleep happy. But on the morning of the 12th of April, 1981, when Sheila Sharp returned home, she opened the door to find her mother, brother and his friend bloodied on the living room floor. In shock, Sheila ran straight back to the neighbour's house. Jamie Seabolt, who was the oldest son of the Seabolts, and Sheila went round and retrieved the three unharmed boys, Rick, Greg and Justin, from their room through a back window so they wouldn't see the horrific sight which laid in the living room. Um, I also heard that the reason they did that was so they wouldn't contaminate the scene as well. Which would make sense. Yeah, it would make sense. These, see, these kids are pretty clever. Yeah. And then later on you'll find out the police weren't that clever. That's <laughs> no shock, really. I know, it? but this is actually quite shocking. Hmm. But yeah, um... Oh, just to let you know, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Sheila's only 14, so she was the eldest out of the sisters. The police arrived an hour after Sheila had discovered the bodies. Deputy Hank Clement was the first to arrive on the scene, but even he couldn't believe what he had walked into. 
He said there was blood everywhere. John Sharp was closest to the front door, face up, his hands were covered in blood and bound with medical tape. His throat had been slashed. Dana Wingate was on the floor beside him on his stomach. He was partially on a pillow, his head was badly damaged by the claw hammer and he was manually strangled. His ankles were tied with electrical wire which was also found around John's ankles so that the two of them were connected. That is very gruesome. That's what I mean. Oh, it gets worse as well. The amount of uh, overkill here. That's what I mean. It's like, it has to be someone they know. Yeah, someone has a vendetta against that family, don't they? But why? Mm. So, Sue Sharp had been partially covered with a blanket, though that done little to hide her gruesome injuries. She was found on her side. The mother of five was naked from the waist down, tightly gagged with a bandana and her own underwear secured with medical tape. She had injuries consistent with a struggle, and also an imprint off the butt of an 880 pallet gun on the side of her head. She also had her throat slashed like John. It's weird to see like that John and his mum both had their throat slashed and the friend like was strangled. It just seemed like the friend was there. Yeah, so he was just in the way. Yeah. The blood which was present at the scene wasn't confined to just the floors or the victims. There was blood everywhere. On the wallpaper, in one of the bedrooms, on Tina's bedding, the living room, the ceiling. It splattered across the furniture. Blood was also discovered on both bedroom doors and outside on the handrails off the back step. The bottom of Sue's bare feet and the soles of one of the boy's shoes were also covered in blood. This indicates that they were mobile during the attack and had stepped inside, like stepped in the blood. From all the blood present discovered in cabin 28, suggested to the investigators that the three victims had been moved from where they were originally murdered and placed in their new position. All three victims had suffered blunt force trauma and multiple stab wounds. There was a steak knife that was found in the living room near the bodies, which had been used at such a violent force that the blade had bent. They also found a butcher's knife and a claw hammer, both blooded. They laid side by side on a small wooden table near the entrance to the kitchen. It seems like there was a lot of weapons used in this. Not going to lie. Because of like all the weapons and there's like two boys and a mum both all dead it kind of suggests there isn't just one person involved in there the, is no way one person, person would, be able to, would do all this yeah like be able to like restrain the whole family it's really like so we'll talk about it later <clears throat> about what and who they think is involved so if you remember at the start of the episode we said sue sharp had five children so we know that john's body was found in the house his sister, Sheila, found the bodies and their younger brothers, Rick and Greg, were rescued from the bedroom window. That's only four. So what happened to 12-year-old Tina Sharp? It took the police hours to finally realise that Tina was missing. When they eventually discovered that she was missing, the FBI arrived at the scene. It wasn't until the 22nd of April, 1984... That is three years 
after the murders that 12 year old Tina Sharp's body would be found a man who was collecting bottle caps in Feather Falls discovered a human skull in the adjoining Butte County which is about 30 miles from Keddie near to where the remains were found a child's blanket a blue nylon jacket a pair of jeans with a missing back pocket and an empty surgical tape dispenser was found it wasn't until police received a call which they don't think was random, on the third anniversary of the murders. I find it really sad when children are found with blankets. Oh my God, it it literally breaks my heart. I know, it is really sad. And it, I think it's shocking that it took them three years to find her. How far away was she found? 30, 30 miles. miles. And the fact that when the, when the man found her, it was a skull... So this is what was said in the call and why the police didn't think that it was random. I was watching the news and they were talking about the skull they found at the Feather Falls and they asked for help. I was just wondering if they thought of the murder up in Keddy, up in Plumas County a couple of years ago where a 12-year-old girl was never found. That's when officers discovered through DNA testing that the skull found did in fact belong to a 12-year-old Tina Sharp. Her cause of death was never determined because of the state of the remains. So what happened to Tina Sharp and why was she taken? We will never know. To this day, the caller remains unknown, but how did they know it was her body? Let's look into the investigation into Cabin 28. Doug Thomas, the sheriff at the time of the Cabin 28 murders, and his deputy, Don Stoy, could not initially determine a motive for the murders. The murders appeared to be a random act of cruelty. Stoy said to the Sacramento Bee in 1987, The strangest thing is that there is no apparent motive. Any case without an apparent motive is the toughest to solve. The investigators claimed that the evidence doesn't indicate forced entry into cabin 28, but it was discovered the cabin telephone had been left off the hook and all the lights to the cabin had been shut off and the drapes closed an unidentified fingerprint was also discovered on the back railings of the cabin. So in my opinion, this doesn't look random to me. It looks very planned. Because how would you know to shut off the lights? I feel like this has to be someone that knows their way around Keddy and the cabins. The sheriff's department also interviewed the three boys who survived that horrendous night on April 12th, as it was strange to them how they were left untouched but blood was found on the door. Not only were they untouched, but all three boys said they slept through the whole night and didn't hear a thing, which seems very unlikely with how bloody the murders were and the defensive mark on Sue Sharp's arms. Yeah, I don't... How the fuck would you sleep through all of that chaos? You wouldn't. Especially, like, as a young child that age, I feel like... You either must be a very, very heavy sleeper, which is probably very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, and both of them as well. Like, both of them slept That's it. what I mean. It was also noted that a couple in the cabin next door woke up around 1.30am to what they described a muffled scream. So how come the three boys who were in the house didn't hear a thing exactly? You would hear something. You would. You definitely would. And I think if a fight broke out, they would have heard something. The boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they would have. It just, this isn't really adding up to me. So, later on, Justin Smart, the third boy that was in the house that night, changed his story 
and said he saw Sue Sharp with two men in the house that night. One reportedly had a moustache and long hair, and the other was clean-shaven with short hair, but both of them wore glasses. And this is the sketch which I saved on the computer at work. And I will post it on the Instagram so you can see how weird it looked, probably to everyone at work. <laughs> <laughs> One of the men carried a hammer. Justin went on to say that both John and Dana returned home and was heard arguing with the men, which then turned violent. This is when Tina was taken outside the back door by one of the men. But can this boy's statement be honest? You'll probably wonder why I'm saying this, but stay with us, because the smart family aren't as they seem. We have to remember that these murders took place in 1981. This is pre-DNA testing, so even though a lot of evidence was taken from the scene, a lot of it wasn't helpful due to lack of testing back then. But what struck many as odd was when Sheriff Thomas called the Sacramento Department of Justice, which then sent in two special agents from the organised crime unit. But why wasn't homicide specialists sent? So organised crime is like, so they have a suspect who is part of like an organised crime gang. So like a bit like a, like a mafia boss or something. Do you know what I mean? I get that, but why, if they don't have, if they said that there isn't a motive... Why are they calling in organised crime? crime yeah, because that's what everyone was a bit like. Well, woman, it. Yeah. What's going on? That it re- was, like this whole sheriff's department just seems really, really dodgy. Corrupt. Another corrupt one. Oh, definitely. I would like to do a case where you know the police officers absolutely rock. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, with unsolved ones, I don't think that's very likely. I'd say probably the best one we did was that Dante one, only because his lawyers are amazing. (laughs) Right, moving on. We'll cover that another time. So, earlier I mentioned that the Smart family aren't as they seem. That's because the two main suspects in these murders were Justin Smart's father, Martin Smart, and his house guest, John Bo Bodeby. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but most people called him Bo. I also want to put in there, we love adding, we love covering cases. But we can't. They have complicated names. Yeah. So, for the rest of this podcast, we're going to call him Bo. Because if we call him John, I think people get confused with John Sharp. Ah, yes, yeah. So, we'll just call him Bo from now on. Bo was also on the police radar because he was known to have connections to organised crime in the area. So, was that why organised crime Ah, was contacted? Right, okay. Adding up now. It is. Stay with me, people. (laughs) Smart also told the police that he had a hammer that had matched the one which was discovered at the scene. But it gets better because this hammer apparently went missing shortly before the murders. Mm. I'm not sure why he's checking his hammer collection the (laughs) night before someone gets... I don't get it. (laughs) His hammer collection. I don't know. Because I think if a hammer from my house went missing, I probably wouldn't realise. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't notice. Yeah, so it's a bit bit odd. It just doesn't... It's that. I mean, it just doesn't add up. But is he just getting his story straight because he knows that if they ever did get round to testing the DNA and the fingerprints, his fingerprints would be all over that hammer? Oh, yeah. So what was Martin Smart's motive? Earlier we mentioned that Sue Sharp was taking typewriting classes. Well... Martin and his wife, Marilyn, both took the same course as Sue and they all became very friendly. Martin allegedly had anger issues and Marilyn confided in Sue about his abusive behaviour. 
I feel like it's all just, you know, going around in circles here. And as a domestic violence survivor herself, Sue encouraged Marilyn to leave her husband. Many suspected that, therefore, Martin had murdered Sue for revenge. And like Abby said earlier, this murder looks very revengeful. It does. Thinking that she was the reason why his marriage was ending. But where does Bo fit into this? Bo was an ex-veteran and suffered from PTSD. Bo was said to be besotted with Sue. But Sue was focusing on herself and her children and rejected Bo on multiple different occasions. So both of them did have motive and both seemed to have been hurt by Sue Sharp. When questioned by the police, Bo said that he and Martin were at the bar that night between half nine and ten o'clock. However, this later changed and said that they were there until around midnight. There was also suspicion that Martin and Sue were having an affair and she was going to break the news to Marilyn, so he killed Sue to stop the truth coming out. This theory I just do not believe because if she'd gotten out of an abusive relationship, why would she then get with someone who was abusive? And also, why would he kill all of them? Yeah. Like, why not just her? But then was that because maybe they walked in? But then the two sons but then you could take her somewhere kill her there that's what i mean i think it's a bit more personal than that martin smart later moved to reno nevada where he began seeing a counselor in 1981 the counselor came forward and stated that their client martin smart confessed to killing both sue and tina but not the two boys he said his motive was because sue broke apart his marriage i'm sorry i can't I wouldn't kill someone if they broke apart my marriage. Yeah, like it would make it would make more sense if you killed them to stop the secret coming out. But why would you kill the little girl? That's, she like, didn't break the marriage up. No, she's just an innocent twelve-year-old girl. Why kill the whole family? Just no, I don't get that. No, no. The Department of Justice dismissed this claim as hearsay and didn't investigate it any further. In law, you can be arrested based only on hearsay, which is the word of another. Officers only need probable cause to make an arrest. The only problem is hearsay cases are often very weak and don't do very well in court. But a letter was also sent to his ex-wife Marilyn, which said, quote, I've paid the price of your love and now that I've brought it with four people's lives, you tell me we are through. This sentence alone is very incriminating. He claims that it's his regret sacrificing too much time with his own four children to be with Marilyn and her children. The police had no more leads into this case and the case went cold and to this day it remains unsolved. The investigation reopened in 2008. Marilyn to this day still believes that both Martin and Bo were the ones responsible for the murders. Marilyn claimed she found Tina's bloody jacket in the basement after the murders and quickly turned it over to the police but there was no records of this happening. She was also very vocal about how Martin had hated John Sharp. Martin Smart and Beau passed away in 2000 and 1988, but in 2018, DNA from a piece of tape found at the crime scene was linked to a living, unidentified suspect. The Keddie Resort fell into disrepair over the years, and Cabin 28 was demolished in 2014. So it's interesting to know that Mm. there's a living suspect... Yeah, but it's there because I'm, I'm. We'll talk about it at the end. It's, yeah, we'll talk about it at the end but because 
I just I don't see it being anyone else because it depends if it's like a hundred percent match. Yeah. Because if it's like not a hundred percent, say it's like twenty percent, then it maybe could be a relative. Yeah. So was there a cover up to this case? Special investigator Mike Gamberg and former Plumas County Sheriff Greg Hagwood. That's a mouthful. <laughs> reopened the case in 2013 and later stated that the Keddy case was solvable and that during the, invi- uh, and during the initial investigation, both the DOG, that's the Department of Justice, and local deputies made crucial mistakes. This included evidence not being logged, tampering with the crime scene and leads which weren't properly investigated. They believed that the anonymous caller was a cover-up to allow the suspect to get out of town. Sheila Sharp also believed that there was a cover-up as well. She said, and I quote, I was told the suspects were told to get out of town, so to me, this means that it's a cover-up. Both Gamberg and Hagwood believe that at least two people are still alive and were at least accessories to the crime. One of them being the anonymous caller who seemed to have special knowledge about what had happened to Tina Sharp. Hagwood said, and I quote, it's my belief that there were more than two people who were involved in this totality of crime. The disposal of evidence and the abduction of a little girl. We are convinced that there are a handful of people that fit those roles and are still alive. They say that they remain determined to solve this case and give closure to the community of Keddie which has been haunted by the quadruple murder for over four decades. They say that they are closer than ever to cracking the case. In the last few years, investigators have tested the hammer and knife for possible DNA evidence. And the FBI has also been examining the anonymous call for a potential voice match. Gamberg has said this, they better batten down the hatches because we're coming. We've, we're continuing with the investigation and we're doing the interviews and we have several persons of interest. Oh, it sends chills. Mm. Is there any update on the... Not on the kids? yet. So I know Sheila has been on like a few talk shows and okay. like talking to people because she's determined to obviously find out what happened to her family. Yeah. But... Understandable. And I still think they are all very much like... It's definitely Martin and Bo who were like the main perpetrators but like these people said it's really hard to believe that this crime was carried out by just them two because they've covered up very well so it just feels like maybe people helped them maybe they weren't like literally there killing them but maybe they helped them get rid of evidence maybe helped them get out of town yeah you know i'm just i can't stop thinking about the two boys like the three boys three three yeah sorry three boys i just don't they wouldn't have slept through the whole thing i'm sorry all three of them would not have slept through it but i don't think they were involved either so i just don't understand have i have a theory for this okay go on so obviously justin smart was there so maybe they did hear something and because martin smart was there maybe he calmed them down and put them back to bed because it's really weird ah. how they weren't murdered because surely he couldn't murder his own son yes that that makes sense yeah that's that. why i'm very set on like it is has to be martin smart has to be involved mm-hmm. 
because his child and the other two boys were in the same room as him were left untouched. Yeah, I'm actually going with that theory myself. I like that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. We think about it all day. <laughs> yeah. So I do like that theory and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that theory as well. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that one. But yeah, I definitely think maybe there was more than the two of them. If they brought the organised crime unit in, maybe Bo did have more buddies. Well they think that he was like a mob leader from oh, yeah. and he had like gangs in Chicago. Hmm. So Christ. Yeah. Sounds like a lovely gentleman. Yeah. But then the motive, again, that doesn't make sense to me either. You've got to... For that kind of kill or attack, you've got to have surely a more... You've got to have so much rage towards the person, to like her as well, who wants to kill her family, like the whole family. I don't know. Someone, like, it just doesn't add up to me. That's what I mean. It has to be someone they know. Well, and more people, like, like I said. Or someone... Because it's like... Okay, fair enough, maybe the house wasn't broken into, like, the door wasn't smashed in. That must mean that Sue let them in. So Sue must have known. Yeah. Must have known them, yeah. It's a weird case, and I really do hope that Mike and Greg do find out. Because they both said that they're very connected to this case. Mm-hmm. Because they went to school with some of them. And they both said, like, they remember them from school, and they do feel like... They're very determined, like I said, to find out who did this. In my personal be... opinion, I don't think it is gonna, ever going to get solved. Because like, what it could be, like that DNA that they found to a living suspect, say Martin Sharp's DNA's on it, but Justin's in the database. Not Yeah, Justin's in the database. It might not be a 100% match, but it could match to him. Because it's like, how did they get Tina out of Keddy? without being heard or seen. Again, she must have known someone. So that makes me think maybe a woman was involved as well. Yeah, why? Because as a 12-year-old girl, even now, I wouldn't want to walk around with two random men that I don't know. And I think as a 12-year-old girl, you would be like, you'd be screaming. Obviously, I was thinking, why was she found 30 miles away from the house when all the bodies were... The rest of them were found in the house? And I was thinking, maybe she was the one that was reacting the most to what was going on. So they took her out the house to sort of take her out the situation, keep her quiet. It just make me want, it just, I just want to know, yeah. Why her specifically? I don't understand why, yeah, she was found 30 miles from the house, but the rest of them were just killed in that house and were left there. Sheila Sharp has said, I guess I don't want to relive that. She's pushed the whole night out of her head. Like, she doesn't want to relive it. I think where she's tried to push it out of her head so much, she doesn't remember all the details. And she even said that she was thinking of getting hypnotised to see what she remembers, which... Because obviously you don't always remember everything. No, yeah. And sometimes, like, when you are hypnotised, like, they can bring out stuff that you have, like, pushed so far back because you don't want to remember it. Yeah. Well, I completely understand if she doesn't want to remember it. I mean... I wouldn't want to remember. She said all she wants to do is remember the happy time. It's really sad because it seems like Sue, she fought so hard to get away from her husband who was abusing her. And then she was finally getting her life back on track. She was, Mm -hmm. she had somewhere for her kids. Like it just seemed like she was very focused on making her life better for her children. It is really weird though, because I couldn't find much on their dad. 
And it did always wonder, I did always wonder, like, why was he never a suspect? Yeah, because if he was abusive... That's what I mean. It's just really weird, because it's like, could it come to the point where he didn't want to let them go and he found out where they were living? And But he was never, ever classed as a suspect, I don't think. Or maybe he was and he had an alibi, but I, I couldn't find anything think... to say. So I don't... I might be wrong. I might be wrong with this, but I... When listening to something, when I listened to it earlier, I think I remember he was he was out of town. So well, he, he doesn't live there, does he? He lives. But if he, yeah, like you said, he probably has an alibi for where he was. That's what I mean. I just want to know. That's all for this case. Well, you have to let us know what you lot think, and if you find anything more interesting, let us know. But I have tried to look for any recent updates in two thousand, well, twenty twenty three, and there's nothing so far. But I'm guessing they're probably not going to announce anything until they probably do find exactly what happened. Yeah. It's just sad because it's like you're, we're never going to know what happened to Tina. No. Whereas, like, obviously, you can see kind of what happened to the rest of them. But she was left for three years, and I just, I honestly think that's so shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, why weren't they looking for her? Yeah, it's very, very. And sad. it just seems very like the police. There was no search parties, and it took them hours to even find out she was gone. Like, that is shocking. Yeah. So I hope Sheila... Sheila is okay. Yeah, and I hope her brothers are okay as well. Yeah. I think they they all just tried to... And they all just want... Like, any family would want justice. Yeah, understandable. But I think do. they're all very on our wavelength of Martin Smart. Yeah. And probably most people who listen to this will probably think the same thing. Yeah. But I hope so, anyway. So, we forgot to announce at the beginning what we were drinking... So, tonight, we were drinking, we got halfway through the bottle, Gallo White Grenache. I may be pronouncing that wrong, but that's how I'm reading it, so that's how I'm saying it. We have a good Gallo. Well, actually, I brought this for Saturday night. Did you? Yeah, because me and you were going out on Saturday night. Oh, we were, yeah. So we went to the pub, because obviously it's bank holiday weekend, and I thought, well, get some wine in. And then I was thinking, oh, one wine isn't going to be enough. So we went to Sainsbury's to get some, another bottle. And they had this massive sale on. I'm, like, making cocktails. Yeah. So Abby bought some, what was it, limoncello. Yes. And every day now she's like, do you want a shot? Do you want a shot? I'm just like, no, I don't. It's a good, if you don't, if you don't know about it, limoncello is a great palate cleanser, as I found in Italy. I am now part Italian. Didn't you get COVID out there? Yes, that's not the point. And you had some big old lips. <laughs> from me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, what, I might actually announce this. So, like, the second day I had, I felt really shit with COVID, I woke up with the fattest lips. And she FaceTimed me, and I'm gutted I didn't take a screenshot, because it was it was hilarious. They I, were fucking, I thought she had her lips done. I, 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 obviously, I do have lip fillers, but they would have dissolved by now. Well, not fully, but... Well, unless you had, like, ten mils in. Yeah, it your was... lips were huge. <laughs> And I was I was a bit worried, and I think maybe it was hay fever, but I don't really suffer with it that ma- that bad. You cannot blame it on COVID. No one gets fat lips from COVID. No, I don't know what happened. Like I, don't know. I haven't done it, it was since. Really, maybe you had a allergic reaction to something. I don't know. Maybe really weird. Yeah, maybe I did. It was so weird, but it's it fun. was it was funny. So yeah, but anyway, so I brought so we brought some limoncello, we brought some prosecco, and then we had soda water as well. We made like some sort of cocktail with it. It was really nice. And then I sat and thought, oh, let's make pina coladas. So I bought Malibu, coconut cream. Went a bit ham, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But Abby did say, 
that my pina coladas are better than chips in restaurants and stuff. They so. were so good. So if this whole podcast thing goes to crap, <laughs> I want to start making cocktails. <laughs> I'm going to open my own little bar. <laughs> I'm happy with that. You can put it in the house. Yeah, see. Put it in the garden. Like That's fine. We'll just have a little bar in the garden. Yeah, lovely. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I want that now. So yeah, then we went to the pub and then we got really, really drunk. And then I decided to buy shots for us. <laughs> And oh my god, it was just oh, it's hilarious. It was it was an eventful, but it was fun. I won a free drink during a bingo. rock and roll bingo. Rock and roll bingo. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was good. It was a good night. Yeah. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode this week. Yes. And we will see you again next week. Don't forget to follow us on our socials: Instagram Mystery Room the Pod, on Facebook the Mystery Room, and. Please, 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 someone sign up to our Patreon. I sound really desperate, but at this I point sounded we are. desperate last week. I wouldn't worry about it. We are at this point. To be Somebody fair, at work was like, "What about I give you one p?" I was like, "I'll take it. Right, I was we'll like, take it. I will take it right now. <laughs> we get 0.5 p each. It'd be great." <laughs> to be fair, we have been quite bad on it. We haven't really posted, so we will up our game. We promise. Just please sign up. The thing is, it's like this is gonna sound really bad, okay, but. I don't want to post anything because no one's going to listen to it. Yeah, I know. And I think for me, I it's know. like if we had a if we had a few patrons, and I'd be like, right, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. But right. no one likes no. us. <laughs> we sound really sad and desperate, but at this point we, we are. are. <laughs> so come on, people. Okay, like come on. It's only like a couple. You can literally. It doesn't have to be a set amount. You can do anything no. from one p to whatever. Make it two pieces, and we can have a one p each. Yeah, Just, I mean, a couple of quid would be lovely. What's a couple of quid a month? I mean, in this cost of living crisis, I get it. I get it, but yes. I'm. We're not asking for hundreds. No, and you will get early access to our podcasts when someone signs up. Right now, we're not doing it, but when someone signs up, we promise you will have early access. And when we get a certain amount... We'll do a live show. Yes, and you'll be able to see our beautiful faces in this lovely, dark studio. We're not going to sit in here and do it. Yeah, no, there's actually no room, is there? We'll have to mm-hmm. do it. We'll do it somewhere, and you can... And you can see our dogs. Come oh, on. yes, you that's see... worth that's it. That's a salad. You yeah. can see the dogs. Yes, that's definitely worth it. The stars of the show. Yeah. Right, enjoy your weekend. We yeah. definitely will. And we will catch you next week. Yes. See you later. Bye.